This is The Warrior's Cry, and I'm your host, James Edwards. Thanks for tuning in again to The Warrior's Cry. Today is actually going to be a little different. Um, This is a full-blown Warrior's Cry uh, podcast. However, it's without an interview. And I know that's not exactly what I wanted. Um, I definitely wanted to fill up every single uh, podcast with an interview uh, of some sort and then have a secondary one where I kind of, you know, talked about different um, events and things that were happening uh, outside of the Warriors Cry podcast. Um, But to be honest, I had some things happen that just kind of made me um, reconsider. And to be honest with you, that's the reason why I am coming to you uh, today with an episode of The Warrior's Cry, and today's episode is an appeal for unity, an appeal for unity. And so I start with saying, um, you know, from the very beginning that I wanted to reach out and grab a hold of as many pastors, teachers, leaders, uh, anyone that I could possibly get my hands on to interview. And uh, I had some success early on with booking um, several people, um, but then my success rate started kind of drying up. And, you know, I know that God wants me to remain faithful with this ministry, even when it's hard to get someone to interview. I know he wants me to remain faithful. So today's episode is all about why the Warrior's Cry exists why we're here, and why this is so important. So I began with talking about, first off, um, I've been trying to get uh, Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church onto the podcast uh, now for a couple of months, and I've emailed several times, and uh, finally I got a response. And, uh, of course, the response wasn't what I wanted to hear. Um, The response basically said that, uh, Pastor Stephen is uh, only does interviews with the media once a week. Now, I don't necessarily consider myself the media. Um, a- after all, this is a ministerial podcast, not only to help uh, individual churches, but also to build the body of Christ. And so um, that's what the email said, is it said that basically he only does it once a week, and he's booked up through the rest of the year. Now, I can understand that. He is a very, very busy, busy guy. And so, uh, with that said, um, I began to get a little disheartened. You know, I reached out again and asked, uh, you know, exactly what I needed to do to possibly schedule it for some time at the beginning of next year. I wanted to try to get in as early as I could to get on his calendar um, because, you know, honestly, I happen to like Stephen Furtick. I know that there's a lot of people out there that like to, uh, you know, say it's his teaching is heretical and, uh, and, and stuff like that. And, and honestly, I, I'm not on that side of the fence. I, I tend to agree with him more than I disagree. And there have been a few things that he said that I didn't agree with. But overall, the overarching message of Elevation Church and Pastor Stephen Furtick has been something that I have actually enjoyed. Um, and so I thought that, you know, I'd have the favor of God and that I would be able to get uh, Stephen Furtick on the program. And, and unfortunately, I was shot down. So I then began to reach out to other pastors. So I sent out a tweet 
uh, directly to Stephen Furtick, and I sent out a tweet uh, to Perry Noble and of New Spring Church in Anderson, South Carolina, uh, which is also another uh, pretty large church. I mean, they're not quite as big as Elevation, but they are uh, a pretty large church. And so I began to reach out to the various churches, um, and then I got a tweet back telling me to contact uh, Perry Noble's um, administrative assistant. So I sent her an email, and her email came back, and it was quite courteous. It was quite, um, you know, uh, very respectful um, that it said something along the lines that uh, Perry Noble would absolutely love uh, to— or loved to be considered um, as a possible interview guest for the Warriors Cry, um, but that he just doesn't do that kind of thing. And, you know, if it pulls him away from his family, his church, and his people, and doesn't allow him to fulfill his mission, that, you know, he doesn't do that kind of thing. And so, you know, I began also to get pretty upset. I'll be honest. The fact of the matter is, is if your church, if you're a pastor and you feel like your church is more valuable than the kingdom of God, there's something wrong with that, honestly. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly what to say about that other than the fact that that really hurts my spirit, you know, um, I really believe that the warrior's cry exists for the sole purpose of opening that dialogue between the churches so that we can somehow stand united as the body of Christ in the upcoming days in which we will need to stand united. You know, and I started doing a little bit more research online and, you know, I I found, you know, what was quite interesting is I found quite a few different um, Bible verses on uh, several websites concerning unity. Um, And, you know, one of the websites that I actually went to was uh, BibleStudyTools.com, and it was actually quite a a good website. Um, And just looking at the the actual website, I noticed that um, the scriptures that they pulled out, there was quite a few of them. Um, The interesting thing about the verses that it mentions is that... um, They're all about unity of faith. Now, I know that a lot of churches, when they hear the word unity, they get afraid. They think, that means that we have to work together. (laughs) First off, that's like completely befuddling to me. But churches hear unity and they think, oh goodness, we have to work together. And that turns them off for some reason. I'm not really sure exactly why that is the case, but it turns them off. And so they don't want to do it. And, you know, and I'm all for individual churches having their own identity. I'm all for individual pastors having their own missions and their own congregations and, you know, their own particular uh, thing that they do in the body of Christ. But, you know, we are all... Uh, unique. We all stand for the same king, and we are all in the same kingdom. We might all stand in different parts of that kingdom. There might be different buildings or different uh, places in that kingdom, you know, as there is in any kingdom. I mean, think, for example, the British Empire. You know, the British Empire spanned almost the entire world at one point, 
And, you know, the, the, the phrase was that the sun never set on the British Empire. And, you know, you got to think, the British Empire was so large and so massive at one point. You know, it was in Australia and United States and, um, and you know, India and Africa and just all of these different places. And it was so massive. And, and no two places were exactly the same. I mean, Australia and Africa are not the same places by any stretch of the imagination. They might have different or, or similar landscapes, but, you know, just the type of country that it is, completely different, completely different. Um, and we are in a kingdom together. It's okay to be completely different amongst each other. So, you know, this episode is appealing to unity. So, first off, I'm going to read to you from um, John chapter 17, um, which is a, a verse that I, I feel is extremely important in this unity message. Um, and first off, I'm, I'm just going to get to it here real quick. Let me uh, open it up here. And I'm just going to go ahead and read from the New International Version because that's the one that's sitting right in front of me at the particular moment. Uh, and it says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now, they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that, it came, that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in this world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name which you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture will be fulfilled. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I sent, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that you too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as, uh, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, I read that out of the New International Version. 
It's not normally a translation that I like, um, but it was just readily available at the website that I was just at, uh, which, like I had said before, was BibleStudyTools.com. Seems like it's actually a pretty good website for uh, doing various Bible studies, and it has uh, the scriptures kind of listed on there, and you've got all the different translations, and uh, it's got like subnotes and all that kind of stuff. So let's go ahead and unpack this for a minute. Um, so Jesus was actually praying for his disciples. Now, we are disciples of Christ. Yes, we call ourselves Christians, um, but we are technically disciples. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a pastor of a, a 20,000 member church or a pastor of a church of a hundred or not a pastor at all, and you're just a, a student that sits in the church, um, or you're a missionary or whatever, we're all disciples in Christ. And so Jesus was praying for his disciples and he prayed this prayer that we be one with him as he's one with the Father. So I honestly don't know why it's so difficult for the church to be united in one body. It's it's not even... I, it's not even fathomable, fathomable to me. Uh, I, I don't understand it. I don't really get it. You know, and, and, it, and it frustrates me because, you know, I want so bad for the church to work together. You know, the last time I, uh, I interviewed uh, Drew Kaler, he is a, uh, a Calvinist. And, you know, Calvinists hold uh, several views, and, and I don't want to characterize the views that they hold um, because I don't understand enough about it, but I will say that it has a lot to do with predestination and uh, whether or not you're the elect or um, you're not elected. Uh, and, and, and I have a hard time with that theology uh, in general. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is honestly, theology is not really a salvation thing. I mean, it's good to have good theology so that we understand um, why it is we do what we do. And in my opinion, theology is a, a mathematical equation where we try to explain what it is we believe to those that we're trying to explain it to. The most important thing is the gospel, Christ and him crucified. That is simply the most important thing that we do as the body of Christ. That's, that's, there is no substitute for that. The gospel of Christ is Jesus Christ and him crucified why he was crucified, because we we are not worthy of the grace in which we were given because Christ died on the cross. We are not worthy of the love of God because God knows that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And, you know, and, 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 and without grace, we are not worthy. You know, and, and, and it, it really just, it, it befuddles me. I'm not really sure... I know how to characterize it other than just to say it's wrong. Church, those of you that are listening to this podcast, pastors, teachers, leaders, if you hold this view that your church is more important, that the people in your church is more important than the body of Christ, repent. Repent, because that is wrong. It is wrong to hold your theology above another and say that they are not Christians because they don't believe a certain way that you believe. You may be secessionist. 
I don't care. It's not a salvation issue. You may believe in sprinkling of baptismal waters and not uh, dunking. I don't care. It's not a salvation issue. What's a salvation issue is Christ and him crucified. That is the most important thing. These, all these little other things that we've added to Christianity over the years honestly has driven more people away than it has brought to Christ. And that's why, you know, I honor churches like Elevation Church and New Spring Church because they're, they're winning souls by showing the love of Christ. But then you've got these churches out there that, that, that claim to show the love of Christ, but yet they have no love in them. They have knowledge puffed up, but they have no love. And it, it, it just befuddles me. And I know I've said that time and time again, and I'm sure this is not an interesting podcast by any stretch of the imagination because it's me ranting. But this is an appeal to unity, to the church. Pastors, teachers, I know if you have a church that you love your church, I know that you love your church and you want your church to succeed. I know that you want the people in your church to succeed. I know, I know that. Anybody who goes to church or has ever led in church knows that. But it's not an individual church thing. This is not an individual church thing. This is a body of Christ that we are all members of. Some claim to follow Paul, some claim to follow Paulo, some claim to follow Cephas, but is Christ truly divided? And I read, and I know that I'll probably get hazed over this, but I read in the message translation, 1 Corinthians, um, last week, and it really, it bit me. And I don't know exactly how to explain it, so I'm going to read it to you real quick. Let me just go ahead and pull it out, because um, I wasn't planning on doing that. Um, but it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the foundational verse, chapter 1, 10 through, um, 10 through, thirteen, and I'm going to read it out of the message because I think that that is the most interesting translation I think I've ever seen this in. So I start uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13 in the message translation. I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends, using the authority of Jesus, our master. I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. I bring this up because some from Chloe's family brought a most disturbing report to my attention, that you're fighting among yourselves. I'll tell you exactly what I was told. You're all picking sides, going around saying, I'm on Paul's side, or I'm for Apollos, or Peter is my man, or I'm in the Messiah's group. I ask you, has the Messiah been chopped up into little pieces so that we can each have a relic of all, all to our own? Was Paul crucified for you? Was a single one of you baptized in Paul's name? I was not involved uh, in any of your baptism except, except for Crispus and Gaius. And on getting this report, I'm sure glad I wasn't. At least no one can go around saying he was baptized in my name. 
Come to think about it, I also baptized Stephanus's family, uh, but as far as I can recall, that's it. I continued reading through verse 16, but the verse that really jumped out to me uh, was verse 13, and it says, I ask you, has the Messiah been chopped up into little pieces so that we can each have a relic all our own? Think about that for a minute. Now, I'm going to remind you of the the vision that I had um, that prompted the warrior's cry to be birthed in the first place. And, you know, and I think I I made mention of it in the first um, episode with Pastor Nick Honor Camp. And, And in that vision, I was in a field. It was a beautiful green field. Um... But as I opened my eyes, I realized that I was on a battlefield, and this field had body parts strewn all over it. There was an arm over there, a hand, a finger. There was toes, just body parts spread all over it. Picture for a minute a body torn apart and thrown into a field with abandon. It was a very gruesome scene. And I remember asking God exactly why I was seeing this gruesome scene. I thought it might have been because I watched something inappropriate or maybe I watched a horror movie or watched a bad TV show that caused me to think of this before I went to bed. But I continued dreaming. And at the top of a hill, I could I could make out a table. And on that table, there was a massive feast and chairs all the way around it. Now, all the chairs were empty. And... I walked up to that table, and like I said, there was all this food, and it was such a beautiful spread. And in the middle of the table where there typically would be a a big turkey or a big ham or whatever at a big family get-together, you know, the centerpiece of the table was a big bowl. And when I went to that bowl, inside of that bowl was the head of Jesus. Well, stop for a minute and think about that. The head of Jesus. And the head of Jesus looked at me, and he said, This is my body broken for you. I want you to concentrate on that for a minute. This is my body broken for you. Now, I immediately began to think about communion, and and I began to, to think about all of this because I was raised in a Lutheran church, and in the Lutheran church, Communion is extremely important, and that was always what they said when they broke the, the little wafer. They, they held it up in the, uh, the air, and he said, This is my body broken for you. Take in remembrance, eat uh, in remembrance of me. And so, you know, when the head of Jesus said to, this to me in the bowl, that's what I immediately thought. And then all of a sudden, it flashed in my head. Some claim to follow Calvin. Some claim to follow Wesley. Some claim to follow Luther. Some claim to follow uh, uh, all of these other leaders that just came to my mind. You know, there's so many different leaders um, that, that came to my mind in that particular moment. And all of these leaders started various denominations, various churches that, that we all ascribe to. And then the last words came to me, and it said, Is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? 
Now, when I think about my Savior, I think of when he was hung upon that cross, nails through his hands and his feet. And when he said, it is finished, he took upon himself the sin of the world so that I would be sanctified by his blood and that I would be able to stand in right standing with my God the day that I stand in front of my God on judgment day. That I would no longer be seen as me, James Edwards. I would no longer be seen as me, but I would be seen as Christ and him crucified because I was covered by the blood of the Son of God. Consider this, brothers and sisters. If you follow a leader, that is good. There are leaders out there that are great. They're wonderful. If you're part of uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick's church or Pastor Perry Noble's church, or if you're part of any of the churches that have these these leaders, these pastors uh, above you, and it's these huge churches where you'll never actually get to have a relationship with that pastor because it is a large church. But if you're under a leader like that, it's a good thing. What is not a good thing is when those leaders choose to stay by themselves and they choose not to be part of the body of Christ. If they think that their church is more important than another, if they think that their members are more important than another, then there's something wrong with that picture. I'm remembered and I'm reminded in uh, Philippians, and I'm going to pull it up real quick. In Philippians um, chapter, I'm trying to remember what it is. Philippians chapter 2, I think it is. Um, it says along the lines, uh, and I'm just going to paraphrase it, think of others more highly than you think of yourself. And, and, and since I don't have the verse in front of me, I'm just going to leave it at that paraphrase. But think of others more highly than you think of yourself. And then that takes me back to the, the, the commandments that Jesus commanded us when he said, you know, first love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. When you consider these things, when you consider these things, that we are to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, that means that we are supposed to be united as God commanded us to be in the faith. But secondly, it means that we hold our neighbors up higher than we hold ourselves, that we are to love one another at a much greater rate than we love ourselves. We are supposed to find ways to serve one another. So, you know, I haven't figured out the logistics of this yet, and I would love to get your input if I can. Those of you that are listening to the podcast, you can email me at thewarriorscry at gmail.com. Visit my website at www.thewarriorscry.com. Visit my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash thewarriorscry. Um, you can tweet me at thewarriorscry. I'm on pretty much every social network you can think of. But the idea that I have, and like I said, I don't know the logistics, but I would love to have a small group started by people like you in every single church that that we can reach out to. 
Um, and this group would be a service group, a group that would keep their ears to the track. And when they hear other churches doing things like uh, baptismal services or say they're doing a, a tent revival or or say they're having a, a, a children's friend day at the park or, or whatever, you know, one of the greatest struggles of most churches is finding volunteers to help with certain things. But if we could start a service group, just imagine this for a minute. If the Warriors Cry could be a small service group in every church where when we hear of an opportunity, we go and we serve. Not with preconceived notions, not with preconditions, but that we go and we serve. Serve others as greater than we do ourselves. Love others more than we love ourselves. If we go and serve and we help build those tents and we help put food out and serve the homeless and serve in soup kitchens with other churches, if we do these things, then the message of the warrior's cry will be loud and resounding. And I know that was loud. It will be loud and resounding, brothers and sisters. It will be loud and resounding because we are the warriors who are crying out for the day that our Savior comes back and gets his church. But he won't come until we stand united. What's he going to do? Is he going to come for the Presbyterians only? Is he going to come for the Methodists only? The Wesleyans only? Is he going to only come for one denomination or another? Certainly not. This breaks my heart, brothers and sisters. It breaks my heart to no end. And I know that it was a little premature to hope that I could get an interview with Stephen Furtick or Perry Noble. I was coming off the success of getting an interview with Dr. Michael Brown, which that's still upcoming. That'll be in June, which I'm still extremely stoked about it. But I thought, you know, hey, I got an interview with Dr. Michael Brown, which is a, a successful leader, a known leader in the body of Christ. Uh, you know, uh, he, he has a... Um, a school of ministry in Concord, North Carolina, and he, he hosts his own podcast and radio show, A Line of Fire, and he's, he's very active. Uh, he has debates with, with people, and, and um, he's very active on YouTube and, and all of these other places. And, you know, and I was so excited when I got him on the program that I figured that I could bounce off that success and get, you know, some higher, uh, some, some other leaders of these big, huge churches. You know, that's what I was hoping for. Of course, it didn't work out quite like I had hoped. But the mission of the Warrior's Cry, like I said, is to open that dialogue between the churches, to open that dialogue between the body of Christ members, to be agents of unity. So I'm going to tell you another little story, and I don't know if I've told the listening audience this in the past, um, but I, a few years ago, um, my church, New Covenant Church in Clyde, North Carolina, Pastor Nick Honorkamp, my first guest, said that uh, there was a church uh, across town. The church was named Bethel Baptist uh, in Bethel, North Carolina. They were doing a uh, tent revival, and they were bringing in uh, a pastor from Asheville. I think his name was uh, Fred Sexton. And so they were bringing him in, and they had this huge tent that they had to set up, tent and bring in chairs and set up the stage and the sound system and all that kind of stuff. 
And so they, they had all of this stuff they wanted to set up. And so Pastor Nick put out a challenge to anybody in the church that wanted to go and help. So I, being who I am and having the mission of the Warriors Cry on my heart, even at that point, um, before the podcast was even thought of, honestly, I decided to go. And I took my brother-in-law with me, and we went. And I remember their pastor, and I don't remember his name, but their pastor walked up to me about halfway through us erecting this large tent. And he asked me, he said, what Baptist church do you go to, son? And I looked at him, and I said, well, I don't go to a Baptist church. And he looked at me kind of like uh, indignant. He wasn't sure exactly what to think when I said I didn't go to a Baptist church. And so he said, well, what church do you go to, son? And I said, well, I go to New Covenant Church. And he said, well, son, you do know that's a Pentecostal church, right? (laughs) And I just laughed and I said, absolutely, sir. Um, I'm a Pentecostal believer. I believe in tongues and prophecy and all that stuff. But, you know, I'll preface that by saying that it is not a requirement for salvation. And anyone that would tell you that it is, is wrong. Um, But... This pastor just kind of looked at me and shook his head. And he said, well, you do know we don't agree on everything. And I said, but we do agree on the one important thing, and that is Christ and him crucified. No. And he just kind of smirked, turned around, and walked off, shaking his head. He was completely befuddled that I, a Pentecostal believer, would help a Baptist church erect a tent so that the Baptist church could hopefully save souls by preaching the gospel that is of Christ. And yes, I enjoyed every minute of it. I enjoyed time with all the men out there as we were lifting these these big poles and um, spreading out that canvas and lifting the tent up and, you know, and, and, and making that tent stand. And, and I was proud when I drove by that tent every night because I drove by it on the way home from work. I was proud when I saw that tent filled with people every night. I was proud of the idea that they were bringing souls to Christ and that I had a small part to play in that, even though we didn't agree on everything, as that pastor said. So that's what I want for a group uh, in all these different churches. I want a group in every single church to do just that. I want to be able to go to these churches and dumbfound the pastors. I want to be able to go to these churches and completely dumbfound the people. Because honestly speaking, it's going to take offense to bring the body together. You know, when you think of uh, if you break a bone, you know, if you fall out of a tree and you break a bone, did you know uh, in, 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 well, and it could be rumor, conjecture, honestly, but I've heard that if you break a bone when it heals, it's actually stronger than it was before you broke it the first time. And when you cut yourself, if you cut yourself with a knife or whatever, that that skin where you cut is actually stronger than it was the first time before you cut it. So the body of Christ, if offended, when it comes together, will be stronger because of the offense than it was before they divided to begin with. So I believe wholeheartedly that this is important. 
And I ask all of you, if you have pastors, leaders in your life that is interested in being interviewed on this program, if you'd like to hear their thoughts, their uh, their opinions, if you'd like to, then please send them my way. I want to interview them. I want to interview whoever I can interview. I want to be able to put them on this program, not to, to, to make them famous or to make me famous, but to make the mission of the warrior's cry fully realized as a unifying agent in the body of Christ. So brothers and sisters, I'm going to wrap this up because it's getting a little longer than I had planned. But I just want you to know, I love you. I love you all. I thank you for actually listening to this podcast. I thank you for subscribing, going to my website, engaging with me on the Facebook page. Um, I pray that we have more engagement on the Facebook page. I pray that I have more followers on the Facebook page. And I know it's selfish, but I want this ministry to be so big that I can bring other people in to help me um, because I know that this mission, this ministry, is far bigger than James Edwards. I know it's far bigger than anything that I can do on my own. But with Christ, all things are possible. All things are possible. So I'm fully relying on the grace of God. I'm fully relying on the word of God that he gave me when he birthed the warrior's cry in my life. So we'll close out with a prayer. And um, before I do that, I just want to tell you, this podcast was brought to you by 434 Graphics. It's a printing business that uh, focuses on giving you high quality prints and designs uh, with the purpose of building the body of Christ. And so if you need any printing or any marketing of any kind, please go to uh, email me at 434graphics at gmail.com. I'd love to get you a quote. love to be able to help your ministry or your business out uh, with anything that you need. And just know that whatever you purchase, the proceeds actually go to help this ministry um, be able to uh, reach out and get uh, interviews and, and stuff that you'd like to hear as we grow. So once again, I thank you. And uh, we're going to close out in prayer. Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for those that are listening right now. And Father, I pray that in every situation that you reach out in their lives and that you give them guidance and peace and that you let your face shine upon them. And Father, I thank you that you have given this mission to the warrior's cry. I pray that we are a unifying agent. I pray that you convict the pastors that would put themselves above the body of Christ. And Father, I pray that, that we have divine appointments. I pray for the Warriors Cry groups. I pray that this is something that will come about, something that can happen. And Father, I pray in thanksgiving that you are a holy God. And I thank you for the salvation that you've given us through your Son, Jesus the Christ the blood that was shed upon Calvary's tree so that I may not be um, held 
to account, but that I am free from that sin because of Christ and his blood and his sacrifice. So, Father, thank you. And I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.